The Weekend Warrior, every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. On ESPN LA 710. Dedicated to you, the fan who works hard all week and slugs it out on the court, the field, the big box store, and the honey-do list all weekend long. And helping you cope as you come to the realization you're not 19 any longer. Here's board-certified orthopedic surgeon Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles. And welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai for 31 years. Well, this is the first time I'm doing the show from home. Bear with us. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited for today's show because my guest, he owns my favorite Mexican restaurant of all time. It's here in Manhattan Beach in Los Angeles, and it's called El Tarasco. I've been eating there since 1983. The food has not changed one bit, and he'll be joining me at 8.15, the great Ricardo Palomo, to talk about the restaurant his parents created that he's carried on the tradition. The iconic dish they serve is called the Junior Super Deluxe. You can't get this anyplace else. And I've been eating it for almost 40 years, the Junior Super Deluxe. And it's the brainchild of his sister. And when he comes on at 815, we're going to learn all about how this crazy idea came about to call something Super Junior. But it made me think all week about where in art, where in sports, and where in surgery do we see the legendary idea of a junior surpassing the senior or the super? Well, in music, his name was Junior Walker. He's my favorite saxophone player of all time, and he played the saxophone differently than anybody else. How exactly did he do this? His voice also sounded like an extension of his saxophone, and in a minute you're going to hear how he created this magical trick in music. What about in sports? The greatest junior in my lifetime was Ken Griffey Jr., whose only name was actually Junior. His father played baseball as well and was quite good, but Junior quickly surpassed Senior in every and every other baseball player for that matter. And in a minute, you're going to hear a dissection of his swing and understand why his success at the plate was so special. Kind of like the Junior Super, super success at the plate, only the plate that you're eating off of. But we'll get into that dissection. They called Junior or Ken Griffey Jr. a five-tool player because he had all all the boxes checked. Well, the Junior Supers got rice and beans and meat and cheese, and it's got five things that are just as delicious as watching Ken Griffey Jr. swing the bat. And in surgery, my teacher was Dr. Philip Wilson Jr. His dad, Sr., started the hospital for special surgery in the 1920s. And the things I learned from him we'll get into, which are very similar to what you'll hear about today. Clap revision. Oh, my God, Tommy John surgeries like crazy now in baseball. In the Mets, my good friend, Dr. David Alchek, is doing surgery on their star, Noah Syndergaard. The Yankees, they've got a player, Severino. And the Red Sox, Chris Sales, also having Tommy John surgery. It's an epidemic right now, and we need to get into it with some clapper vision. But first, let's get started. Rebecca, let's play What Does It Take by Junior Walker. Let's hear that music. I want you to hear the saxophone like nobody else. 
today. And what we're going to learn in a minute from a saxophone connoisseur is how he was able to play at the range that nobody else chose to play at. But I love it when he also starts to sing. Because what you hear is that raspy voice that sounds just like the saxophone. So here it is. Junior Walker. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about him right now. Let's go to Junior Walker's sax legend. Let's go to number one. Born in 1931, American Motown tenor saxophonist and singer Junior Walker had one of the most instantly identifiable sax styles of all time, characterized by funky, percussive, growly mid-range phrases punctuated by electrifyingly stratospheric screaming wails. Let's go to two, please. Born Autry Devault Mixon Jr., Junior Walker recorded no less than 23 albums between 1964 and 1983, taking inspiration from earlier jump jive players such as Louis Jordan and Earl Bostick, but redefining what the saxophone was capable of, and if all that wasn't enough, who's also a superb singer with a gravelly, soulful tone. It really wasn't until he met Barry Gordy at Motown that things really blossomed, and the song that made him a star called Shotgun came about number three after several name and personnel changes in the early 60s the group junior walker and the all-stars finally got their big break with the 1965 hit shotgun released on barry gordy's motown label out of detroit he continued to have many hits on motown throughout the second half of the 60s including i'm a roadrunner how sweet it is to be loved by you come see about me and what does it take to win your love and how exactly did he do this in this upper range? Number four, let's listen. Junior Walker was famous for the extraordinary control and power he had in the upper register of the horn, extending the useful range of the sax by at least an octave. He was a super funky and rhythmic player and favoured percussive, barking phrases on his favourite scale, which was the major pentatonic scale. <laughs> I love it. This man is so into the saxophone. It's fantastic. Let's listen to the great Al Green talk about meeting Junior Walker for the first time in Michigan. Listen to number one from Al Green. Got to go to Battle Creek and meet this man uh, going, for money, who needs <laughs> just to live a life free and easy <laughs> with too brush in my hand. <laughs> Let me be a traveling McDonald's because I'm a road runner, baby. And I said, I kind of like that. Uh, look, and look. and, and uh, Junior Walker. Absolutely. Let's continue with Al Green. And he get his horn and start playing that thing. And I said, I'll get to scooting, and he get to playing that thing. He said, don't want no woman to tie me down. I tell you, I said, boy, you better go it on here. I got to keep free, baby, to roll around. I said, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I could listen to Al Green just laughing. It would be fantastic. Let's listen to Shotgun. A little bit of his classic song. Uh. 
The great Junior Walker. How he thrilled his tongue playing in that upper range. Fantastic. Junior Walker. By the way, there is no Walker. His name was Autry DeWalt Jr. He has the Junior. But I don't know where the Walker came from. What about in sports? Where do we see where Junior surpasses Senior? Well, it was none other than Ken Griffey Jr. Listen to Major League Baseball tonight talking about the sweet swing. Nobody hit the ball quite like Ken Griffey Jr. Let's Ken listen. Griffey Jr. swing was the sweetest was ever. Pretty man, right? I know. Uh, this I is perfection. Dropping the bat the way he did, knowing he got it every time. It's just, it, it plays to your eye, man. Well, it's just yeah. The setup. Standing straight up like that. Oh, yeah, the little, like, you know, the little bat rock. Uh -huh. the, little, the little cocky bat drop. This thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 He was bat flipping before bat flipping was so happening. I, let's listen to his mechanics, how they dissect what made him so special, just like Junior Walker, playing the sax in a range that other people didn't get to. Ken Griffey Jr. had a, had a natural ability to lean forward to try and hit the ball, and at the same time, pull his arm back, creating a giant rubber band. So when it snapped back, that ball went over the fence. Listen to Ken Griffey's hitting mechanics. We'll go to one and then number three. What it is is basically this idea of creating tension in the body, storing energy, and then releasing energy. We talk a lot about the elastic band and how you have to pull the band back to store energy. Um, create tension in the band. The further you pull it back, the more energy you can store. When you finally release it, you know, the faster and the further it's going to shoot. And this is the move that you see with Griffey. You see this move with most elite hitters. As they kind of move into the ball and then begin to rotate, you're going to see that they're going to pull back with their upper body. You know, you just get into the back, you pull back, and then it's like band can't pull back anymore and everything is fired. You can see his jersey, how much it's stretching right there. So, again, you mm -hmm. see this. Right there, you can see how much tension is really created. You know, and this is one of those things, too, where this is almost coached out of a lot of younger players because coaches are so worried about an arm bar. You know, most young players are taught to keep their elbow at a 45-degree um, or I should say 90 degrees. Um, most players are taught don't go, you know, don't get your arm any straighter than 90 degrees. Um, but when you watch major league plays, you're going to see, you know, that angle is going to be way bigger than 90 degrees for almost every single player. You can't pull back unless you let this arm get a little bit straighter. Let's listen to Ken Griffey at his Hall of Fame speech, but mostly let's listen to his manager, Lou Pinella. Let's do one through five. The youngest all-century player, Ken Griffey Jr. I played baseball with his dad. You know, his dad was a, a great player in his own right. I was here first. When he got to the big leagues, you could tell that he was a very talented young man. Here's a young fellow who's the story of spring training in Mariners camp, 19 years old. Little did you know, in a few years, he would be the best player in all of baseball. Unbelievable, Ken Griffey Jr. Holy smokes! There wasn't anything that he couldn't do on the baseball field. He didn't go eat a hot dog when Junior came up the bat. Now Griffey unloads the deep right, the game is over. When he was on the outfield. Junior flying diamond makes the catch. He made so many great plays. Leaps up and he makes the catch. Amazing catch. 
return basically to the great Willie Mays. Wow. Seeing him run the bases, I mean, gobbled up the ground. Here is Junior to third base. They're going to wave him in. The throws of the plate will be late. The Mariners are going to play for the American League Championship. I don't believe it. Wow. I've seen some really good center fielders in my time. Never seen anybody that played like Junior did. You could tell that he was a superstar. Bang. Did he know it? Absolutely. He had his own style. He had his own flair. Holy cow. That may have hit the warehouse and they announced it did. He had that all-American smile. He had that nice little rhythm going. Beautiful follow-through. Always balanced. And he played it like he told me. I played this thing with reckless abandon. You know, that's the way he played the game. He had fun. When he came to the ballpark, he had a smile on his face, always needling people. He had his own style, Lou Piniella said. He has his, had his own rhythm, and he was always balanced. Maybe that's the beauty of being a junior. You get to see it in senior, but you get to modify it and fine-tune it. For Junior Walker on the saxophone, Ken Griffey Jr. playing baseball, and when you design the perfect Mexican burrito, you can fine-tune the senior deluxe and make it the junior super deluxe. At 8.15, we're going to talk to the owner of El Tarasco. Coming up next, we got to talk about the fact that I'm in isolation here, and how do you do a radio show from your house? I'll tell some stories about what I miss most, and I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 7710. With Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Doing the show from home. You know what I miss most is going to the pantry. And you know what I miss about the pantry? Every morning after I'm done eating, I walk out onto the street and I'm greeted by many homeless men. Um, and I just want to tell you a quick story of, you know, you strive in life, at least I do, every day to meet an angel. And it's rare. It's rare in life that you'll meet an angel. You know how you make sure that you meet an angel every day in your life? Is if you're the angel. But I want to tell you about meeting an angel one day. So I walk out of the pantry after eating, and, you know, I get to know all the guys who are homeless who have been sleeping on the street. I got to sleep in a bed. You got to sleep in a bed. But these guys did not sleep in a bed the night before. And so when I walk out, I see pretty much the same guys, and I always give them something. So there's one guy, we'll say his name is Marvin, and he knows he sees I'm wearing scrubs because I'm going to go make rounds at the hospital afterwards. This one man who's familiar to me, his name is Marvin, who sees me in scrubs, and he's always asking me, you know, some medical question, which I'm only too happy to help him. And uh, one day as I walk out to give him a dollar, which I always do, he looks at me, and uh, as I'm about to give him the dollar, this is a man who's sleeping on the street who has nothing, but he knows I'm going to give him a dollar every time I see him. 
I'm about to give him the dollar. And Marvin looks at me and says, no, Doc, give it to him. And he points to some other man, a homeless man, that he's befriended. And he says to me, no, Doc, give it to him. He needs it more than I do. And I've always thought about Marvin and what an angel he is. He can't afford to give up the dollar that I'm going to give him to someone else. And obviously I gave both of them, but it just, that's what I, I miss the humanity. It's great to be in your house. We got no choice right now, but I'm a people person, as you can tell. And uh, God bless you, Marvin, wherever you are right now. I wish I was seeing you this morning. The eating at the pantry is great, but meeting the guys on the street is really what I look forward to before I start this show. All right, we'll take some calls. Okay, let's go to Keith. Hey, hey Rebecca, did you, were you able to hear the story about Marvin? Okay, cool. Did he make you cry? <laughs> All right, let's go to Keith. You're on with Dr. Clapper. I need to know how old you are, what do you do Good for morning, a living, Dr. and what Clapper. hurts. Uh, I've been listening to you for uh, many years, and uh, appreciate everything you do for us. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for calling. Please tell me how old I'm you are. I'm 46, and I'm a high school teacher and golf coach. All right. Okay, great. What do you teach? What subject? I teach government and a personal finance class as an elective. You know what? I think the most noble thing you can do with your life is teaching. Number two is being a nurse, and then everything else, including being a doctor. So what you do is the most noble thing to do with your life, and I very much appreciate that. Tell me how I can help. What hurts? Uh, About five years ago, I had a... My back went out and uh, really, really bad. And at the time, <clears throat> did end up getting an MRI, and what it presented was a bilateral uh, bulging disc um, in L4 and L5. And then okay. I was, I got through it um, with the help of some prednisone and some therapy. And um, as the years have gone on, uh, it seems to happen more frequently. Uh, mm-hmm. It had probably been about 14 months since that incident when I had another one. And nothing in particular seems to bring it on, just daily activities. Or, or you know, I, I didn't do anything crazy to necessarily bring it about. So the frequency and the same pain shows up, and it does begin to radiate down the outside of my hip, or down into my back um, to the point where, you know, sometimes even moving isn't um, good. Mm-hmm. So I just got through another one, and I had been listening to the show, and you had spoken before about disc replacement. Mm-hmm. Well, after this latest one, I had asked my uh, my therapist, I said, you know, am I a candidate? Do you think there's a surgery or have you heard of disc replacement? And he mentioned, I believe it was a nucleectomy. Mm. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm not afraid of surgery because I trust in medicine and I trust in doctors, but I'm wondering if that might be an option for me uh, sooner than later because with my uh, being a little bit younger, maybe the recovery would be a little bit easier. So, how old are you again? I'm 46. 46, okay. going to be 47 soon. Okay. First of all, I need you. Where did you grow up? I 
I grew up in Chicago and then moved to Las Vegas for a while. Okay. Thank God you spent a little bit of time in Las Vegas, because if it's one thing Las Vegas can teach you is to not to trust anybody, correct? Yes, you are. Because I don't want you to have these fantastic glowing statements about doctors, because unfortunately we are surrounded by some that would love to take advantage of you because you're in pain and you're desperate and I need to protect you from that. It's true. The more modern technology is about just like I replace hips. I don't fuse hips. I replace knees. I don't, re I don't fuse knees. The spine world has really taken off in trying to do the same thing in the spine and they are perfecting this surgery. Are they a hundred percent there yet? This would be something to have a good discussion with a spine surgeon. But just because you want to have a disc replacement may, may not be possible depending on the amount of slippage or instability that occurs in your spine. So what do they say? Men make plans and God laughs. Um, the reality is, is I don't want you having any more epidurals. I don't want any more cover up. Um, how tall are you and how much do you weigh? I'm 6'4", 260. Okay. Being 6'4 allows you to weigh more than the rest of us because you're bigger. But I will tell you that's probably more weight than you should be carrying. So with all of that weight in your belly pulling and pulling 24-7, even when you're rolling over in bed, think about it. And you're a smart man. When you start fusing your spine or replacing your spine, the elements of it in this spine surgery, wouldn't it be smarter to actually put less stress on the spine before you contemplate an operation right now? Because what happens is, is you can't help but be stressing not just L4, L5, but two years from now, L3, L4, L5, S1. And now you're going to go right up the list and end up like many people who now need multiple back surgeries. Now, your symptoms certainly warrant a visit with someone who I trust as a spine surgeon for an opinion. And we've had on the show a few good ones. Terrence Kim, Robert Pashman. These are fantastic spine surgeons that you, we've even had Dr. Watkins Jr. and Dr. Watkins Sr. These are excellent spine surgeons that I would put faith in. But before I would let anyone, even the really good ones, and trust me, you don't want a bad one. These are a few good names I've given you of really elite surgeons. But you owe it to yourself to read the book that I talk about all the time, Wheat Belly, W-H-E-A-T, Wheat Belly. You gotta change your diet, young man. You gotta take some weight off before you even contemplate an operation. You might make yourself better by taking some weight off over a three to six month period of time. You got to. You gotta increase your core strength and take your weight off. If you have a foot drop, you can't pee, your life is just hell, okay, then you'll call those guys that I just gave you the name. But, but certainly, I would try to go the route I've described of core strengthening and weight loss first, no more cortisone, and you can seek out those guys for an opinion, and then let me know what happens. Okay, and thanks so much for calling. I appreciate it. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show. 
here on 710 ESPN. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 7710. With Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. Who is this? Ah! A new well, Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The great Rebecca Womble has come up with another one. Sammy Davis Jr., Mr. Bojangles. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm so excited to be joined right now with the owner of El Tarasco, my favorite Mexican restaurant in the world, which happens to be here in L.A., in Manhattan Beach, on Rosecrans and Highland. Welcome to the great Ricardo Palomo. Thanks for waking up early to be with us, Ricardo. You betcha. How are you doing? All right. So you're hearing about how Ken Griffey Jr. is a five-tool player. He can run, hit, slide, throw, bat. He can do everything. There's five ingredients in the Junior Super. You hear about Junior Walker, another junior in the music business, playing the sax at a level that no one else can because he did things with his own style and grace. Tell us the story about El Tarasco and how the Junior Super came about. Well, the story there is uh, one day back in the I'm say 19, late 1960s, my parents, they had opened up uh, a restaurant out there in, in Manhattan Beach. Um, and my, my sister, my oldest sister, goes in the kitchen and says, you know what, I'm hungry and I want to make something different on my own. <laughs> my parents said, go right ahead. She's about, mind you, she's about eight years old. She goes up there and starts cooking up. Uh, she eats up her tortilla, puts a burrito in there, puts some rice, the beans, the, the ground beef, lettuce, holds it up, mole sauce on top, melted cheese, guacamole, sour cream. And my parents were looking at it and let's, let's, let's get a taste of that. So they go ahead and they taste it and say, you know what, you got something here. What do you want to call it? My, my, my oldest sister, Rosa. Being eight years old, <laughs> says, you know what? I'm going to call this the Junior, the Junior Super Deluxe. <laughs> and that is our best-selling uh, burrito to this day. Can so I tell you of some... those things. And uh, it's just unbelievable R- what Ricardo. an eight-year-old can create. Yeah. She's the Mozart of Mexican food, eight years old. She's a prodigy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. <coughs> you know, she still owns her own restaurant out there. She, her, she has a place out there in Venice Beach. On Washington mm. Boulevard. Interesting. So she's still she's still in the business. She's still cooking up them burritos. 